Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hello, beautiful recovery people. How are you? I hope you're doing well. And uh, yeah, here to talk about He's Safe. It's uh, something that you'll hear when you're just joining the recovery community and placing your child into recovery. And I usually relate to the he pronoun because the recovery community that I am in is focused on sons. And there are also children who are placed into recovery in the community that I am in who may have gender preferences or identifications. Typically for the podcast, I will reference sons. And I wanted to kind of go back to the intent of this podcast. And it really is as a mom who experienced this process of placing her son into recovery and also experiencing the introduction to the other side of the community, which is self-recovery at a parent level. I'm not a licensed therapist. I am not a licensed psychologist. I am not here to give advice that should be taken without consent or discussion or guidance from a licensed therapist or a licensed therapy team. If you feel that you're in a situation that is life-threatening, seek help immediately. And again, the focus here is only to talk about free resources that are available to those parents who are really getting introduced to the whole concept of the recovery world. And uh, if you're anything like I was, the my one of my friends said, Angus, it's so great to see you out of the hypervigilant stage because you get introduced to the therapy team and they're starting to talk to you about what's next for your kid. And you might be still in the throes of the manipulation phase, which is, mom, I hate you. Actually, my son didn't do that. <laughs> but a lot of... um parents did. I think, let me, let me, let me go back to that because that's, I don't want to just leave that hanging. I know at a, at a core soul, a deep, deep level, he knew it was time. He knew it was time. He knew he needed help. And uh, that is both a curse and a blessing. I choose to look at it as 100% an incredible blessing. It was so difficult. It was so difficult to, um, drop him off that day because of the point that we had all reached. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, but anyway, that's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to talk about what it's like, you know, what is it like when you first meet all these people that you never, ever plan to meet? And there's not anybody or any parent book when you're handed parenting books for Here's zero to three months. Here's three to six months. Here's six months to 18 months. And here are the milestones. Here are the indicators. You know, what is exciting for me, however, is to hear science-based information. And again, I'm going to mention Andrew Huberman, Huberman Lab podcast. He just released a podcast on, hold on, I want to read this correctly. The Science and Health Benefits of Deliberate Heat Exposure. Great podcast. As I'm listening to it, though, he specifically talks about puberty. It's like a two-minute thread, and it's phenomenal. He's like, everything in the child changes. So 
I don't know how many of you have said, I don't know where my little boy is. I don't know where my little girl is. They are completely different people. You're correct. At a scientific level, you are correct. Hey, that doesn't make it easier. Believe me, I know. Uh, But you're correct. So there's information coming out from these scientists, these leading scientific studies. So many of our gut level instincts and the conversations that we have as parents in our communities and the cul-de-sacs, they are scientifically proven that the the beautiful little kid that you could go up and hug, you know, with big, huge bear hugs, once they hit puberty, they're like, oh, I don't know you. And can you drop me off like two blocks before the school, you know? I did really find that interesting. So back to the the subject at hand, one of the hardest things for me was hearing the words, he's safe. Oh, at a core level, man. Uh, it just, it broke me because of my family origin and my family system that I came from. I was determined to keep my children safe. Now, as I've said before, is that the dysfunction of the family system, and everybody has a little bit of dysfunction, sorry, you can't get out of life without it. It's just, if you think that your family has no dysfunction, I don't know, send me an email, um, because I'd really like to meet you. So yeah, you're looking at your kids and and saying as a parent, I am not going to repeat the mistakes of the past. And as you know, from my first episode, I was sexually molested at the age of six. And that was one of my big things. I was like, man, I'm going to keep these kids. There's nobody's going to touch them. With that, I did okay. With the other stuff, no. Um, but the, the he's safe words, when the people in the recovery community take your child in, these are experienced professionals and the good news is they don't love your child. The manipulation, the tactics, the fact that your kid knows exactly what button to push, and that's normal, it's totally normal to get their way. Those actions and those manipulations do not work on the recovery staff. That's the great news. So when they say to a parent, he's safe, it also means it's time for you to work on yourself. It is almost like that's code. It takes some time for the parent, at least it took time for me, and I've, I've heard this from other parents, it's almost like a 30-day window where our system has to calm down. And again, going back to the scientific studies, you have your sympathetic nervous system. It is completely shot By the time you get to the point where you're putting your kid into a recovery facility, so once your child is safe, there is this whole reassessment of where you are and what you need to accomplish to kind of even get back to, I'm not even saying neutral, but close to neutral, because the relationships that have been impacted throughout this process probably are at least three or four or five if there are siblings in the household and if there are two parents, if there are possibly grandparents that are dealing with the situation. Mine was pretty condensed, but even so, I'm looking at about three relationships that I've got to navigate to reassess as to where neutral is 
You know, there's dealing with the recovery entry, then there's dealing with, okay, he's safe. And then there's dealing with, well, what do I got to do now? And part of what you got to do is maybe do some really good breath work. And I'm not joking, getting that nervous system steady and getting it into an area where you can pause, you can reflect, and you can start thinking about how you can better yourself. And I said this in a previous podcast, doing your own work. Now, what I did want to talk about is there is the aspect of shame, and this is addressed in the 12 steps pretty frequently. And if you're in a good 12-step group, you will go into, how do I deal with the stigma of my child being in the recovery community? Well, the rating on this is family-friendly, so there's something that I want to tell you that I can't say, but forget that. You know, Just don't even go there. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some space and if you can, surround yourself with people who will really help you deal with the shame aspect right up front. That is part of hearing he's safe, because as a parent, you're thinking, why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I keep my child safe? Because that has been my goal ever since I held that teeny tiny little baby in my hands. And that's some deep stuff. You probably would benefit from speaking with a licensed therapist about that, because if you're with a good therapist, they will pull the thread on that and really dig into some deep, powerful, and probably some beautiful things as a result of it. Now, I've talked about NARM therapy quite a bit. I'm a huge fan, and I always will be. I still get it to this day. One of the benefits of hearing he's safe and working with a NARM therapist is that therapy session that you're in, talk about how that feels. Like, what does your body go through when you hear he's safe? And you'll be able to tap into a lot of your emotions through recognizing the experience, both of probably being relieved, but then for me, my body was so used to reacting and pushing forward and taking care of the process of getting help that it took significant work for me to slow down. Within NARM too, there is the ability to start understanding what your survival style is. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. The survival style that I have is avoidance. What is very... I guess not too ironic <laughs> because my son is my son, is my son also has avoidance uh, as, a, as a survival style, among a few other things. You know, he's pretty, pretty diverse. And um, I think, honestly, I think this probably drove the therapist mad. God bless her. Um, yeah, because it's not like you can really get to things quickly when you have two people with the avoidance survival style. You know, so, but back to the, the he's safe. What I realized is I know he's safe. I know he's in good hands, but what was it that I contributed to, to bring him to this point? And that's where the deep stuff happens. It could be quite a bit. It could be just a little bit. It could be the fact that genetically, Maybe addiction just runs in the family, and I know it does in my family pretty significantly. So when you get to that point of looking at he's safe, how that makes you feel, and how you're processing it, then you can get into some deeper therapy. 
So one of the things that you have to also give grace to yourself for and within, I guess, as you're going through all this uh, introduction into a completely new world is that he's safe also, it well, it actually, I hate to say should, but it should require taking your child's phone away, the access, uh, obviously, to social media. I was really excited that uh, Snapchat announced a change um, to their app to hopefully make it more difficult for people to sell substances because that has been a great avenue for substance uh, distribution. And even leaders in the self-care community, there's been an impact of children buying drugs and, and even dying in their own homes and the parents having no idea what's going on. So let's take that one example of he's safe. This also comprises of changing not only the family system, but the system of the child and recognizing that that is part of the process will give you some room to take a step back and learn what the system really is. Who is your child hanging out with? What is your child doing? What's going on in the world of your child? Going back to the puberty observation of how kids change so much is one of the biggest changes is that we as parents don't know what's happening in the child's world. We don't know their friends as intimately as they do. And there is a lot of assumptions when the child goes out and hangs out with friends. We don't know what's happening. We just don't. Two avenues to approach. You can be the helicopter parent, which is not a healthy modality at all. I can refer you back to the efficacy podcast. A helicopter approach to parenting is going to create some significant aspects that are just not good. (laughs) Then there's the other aspect of building trust and having an open dialogue. Now that's hard because some kids will come across a substance, maybe purely by accident or purely by a situation where child A will try some beer And child B will try some beer, but they're each impacted differently because of what's going on at a a physical level and genetically, right? So these two situations can become a completely different catalyst for behavior that leads to addiction. So what's challenging is back to that situation of child A and child B, child B who has a tendency towards addiction there becomes a very short window of trust whereby you can navigate engaging just in time to counter that addiction. And honestly, you know, as parents, that would be really hard to see. You know, it, it, it's just a very delicate timing issue. It's a, it's a, a hypervigilance. And then if there's the situation of trust, are you being that vigilant? It is just, oh man, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. There's just that short window of getting involved if you have a child that has tendencies genetically towards addiction. Now, as parents, that worry usually is there. I don't know. Maybe it isn't with some but I can't imagine with the opioid crisis that parents wouldn't have at least a little bit of a worry on their radar. But does that help us? You know, are we going to sit here and worry about stuff that hasn't happened if our child is doing okay? Or do we keep it in as a peripheral possibility? 
I personally think that we should just be well-informed and look for some signs and look for some behaviors that might be, you know, uh, this is a bit of a red flag. I will commit to doing a full podcast on how to recognize signals and signs and see those red flags as best as we possibly can in the future. Back to putting your child into a recovery system, you've got this opportunity. When you hear he's safe, I think one of the best things you can do is ask the professionals, what now? And if you're working with a really good facility, they're going to have a pretty structured approach to learning, to education, to counseling, both individual and family levels. And they're going to be able to say, hey, also, in addition, these are the support groups that are here to help you through it. That's what a good recovery system will give you. And I'll outline that in my show notes too. So there is a possibility when you hear those words, it might hit you hard because you're thinking to yourself, why couldn't I provide that in my own home? Let that go and just listen to the message because the message really is, he is safe. Okay, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I hope the biggest thing that you got out of this is he is safe equals time to take a deep breath, take some time for yourself and work on yourself, get to know the people that are also in this recovery journey or on this recovery journey with you. There's a lot of us out here. And uh, one thing I know for sure because I, I attended two meetings today, is that uh, there's some beautiful people that you're that you're going to meet. There's a blessing in disguise. It's hard to see, and it's definitely painful at times. But hang in there and be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself some grace and space. It truly is worth it to take a step back. And there's so many people out there that that are willing to help you out with this. So I'll put all the information in my show notes. I will update my website with some resources on how to choose a good recovery facility. I'm hoping I can get a friend to come on here to, I would love to interview him because he's phenomenal. So I'll tell him to listen to this specific point in the podcast. And other than that, Check out my Instagram, Siblinghood of Recovery, my website, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. This is Angie Reno, and I will talk to you later. 